We meet today in Psalm chapter 6 and Psalm chapter 7. In Psalm chapter 6, we are going to consider the 10 verses, and in chapter 7, we will look at the selected verses. In these two Psalms, we see a cry for mercy and a cry for revenge. First of all, we are looking at Psalm chapter 6, and in chapter 6, we see that David was a weeping prophet as well as Jeremiah. And this psalm is one of his lamentations. Either it was pained in a time or at least calculated for a time of great trouble, both outward and inward. Is any afflicted? Is anyone sick? Let him sing the psalm. The method of this psalm is very observable and what we shall often meet with very clear here. We see the writer of the psalm begins with doleful complaints, but ends with joyful praises. Like Hannah, who went to prayer with a sorrowful spirit, but when she had prayed, she went her way, and her countenance was no longer sad. The man in this psalm has looked all around himself and has seen the wickedness that is on every turn of the road. He has looked around, he has looked even into his own heart, and he recognized that he is not perfect before God at all. If the previous psalms and prayers had to do with morning and evening, this particular psalm has to do with the darkest night. The Hebrew word, Shamineth, which occurs only here in this psalm, is the superscription. Only here in this psalm and in the superscription to Psalm 12 probably refers to an eighth-stringed lyre. It means upon the octave, and some people believe it should be sung by male voices. You see, my friend, Psalm 5 is an imprecatory psalm, and Psalm 6 is the first of the seven penitential psalms. You see, one of them is Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, Psalm 130, and Psalm 143, five of which are actually ascribed to David. In the penitential psalms, the psalmist attributes his affliction to his sin, and consequently, the psalm is both an expression of remorse and a confession of sin. Psalm 6 is a cry of repentance and a plea for mercy, as is evident in all the penitential psalms. David, being sick, deplores wrath and, and, and he entreats mercy with mournful complaints and earnest pleadings. That is what we see from verse 1 to verse 7. In verse 8 to verse 10, confiding in God, David triumphs over his enemies. Let us look at the details of the psalm as we actually read it. Here is Psalm chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 4. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. 
my soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me, or save me for your mercy's sake. You see here, David is very conscious that he deserves to be rebuked, but he does not want the sovereign Lord to destroy him with a rebuke. Thus, he prays, have mercy on me, O Lord. You see, mercy is sought from God for the psalmist's physical well-being as well as his spiritual well-being. We need God's mercy for our physical well-being as well as our spiritual well-being. What a lesson we need to learn even in this our time. Sometimes people think we just go to God only for the condition of our spirits. But here the psalmist is turning to God even for the physical affairs of his life. You see, David, the psalmist, he sees his own need. When he does, there is a wonderful cry for repentance that is obvious. Like Isaiah who saw the Lord exalted, he sees his deplorable state and seeks God's only remedy. Next we have his confession. Psalm 6 verse 5 For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave who will give you thanks? This is a wonderful statement, my friend, because here the psalmist says, if we have to remember the Lord, it is in this our lifetime. Don't wait to give thanks to God when you are dead. An opportunity for us to save God is now when we are in bones and flesh. So we see the wonderful statement here, and it does not even represent any incredulity on the part of the author about his future state, but it is merely a contrast between the sins of life and the grave. The sins of life and the grave are totally different. So David here bargains with the Lord that if his life is spurred, he will praise the Lord continually. My friend, why do you want to live? Why would you pray that God would give you good health? Why would you pray that your life would be spared from death and even from the calamities of the world? For David, it was so that he would continually give praise to God. My friend, while you have strength, give praise to the Lord. He is the author of all the good things that are in your life. Long ago here also, the psalmist acknowledged that there is no remembrance in death. Where did we get it from that the dead can communicate with the living? The dead do not have a share with the living. You and I need to be delivered from the trap of the fear of death and even the dead, which causes the people of Africa to be involved in condemned ancestral worship, witchcraft, spirit mediums, and all forms of the occult. The psalmist here acknowledged, in death there is no remembrance. And he also used the word grave, which translates sheol in Hebrew. That is the place of the departed dead. In some of the texts, including the righteous and the wicked, the verse does not teach the cessation of being after physical death, but this verse simply 
is teaching the termination of all earthly human activity. Hades in Greek in the New Testament corresponds to Sheol in the Hebrew. Though Hades eventually came to specify the place of the unsaved between death and the great white throne of judgment. The New Testament describes Hades as a place of torment and conscious suffering. So there is consciousness even in that Hades. But the experiences in the grave and in this modern life, in this our present life, are completely different. What a wisdom that comes from the psalmist as he penned these wonderful words. Psalm 6, verse 6 and verse 7 say, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of my enemies. You see, he is so penitent is the psalmist that he explains and he exclaims, I drench my couch with my tears. Night after night, he drenches his bed because of a realization of his sin. My friend, when you realize your sin, you need to cry before God, to cry to him for mercy. And this psalmist was crying to God for mercy. And this is why we called this psalm a cry for mercy. You see, as the English Puritan divine John Trapp said, that eye of his that has looked and lasted after his neighbor's wife is now dimmed and darkened with grief and indignation. He had wept himself almost blind. That must be the response of any wretched sinner when they begin to realize how wretched their state is. You can cry to God for mercy. Many people today cry over their beloved one who may die. Many people today cry even if the stock market falls or even if they lose some precious commodity. How many of us weep over the state of our sinfulness and asking for God to be merciful and to forgive them that they can also stand and be on their feet to serve God. The psalmist drenched his bed all night. He drenched his couch with his tears. You see, I think here we have a picture of David and I think we have also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is also a picture of Israel in the last days and a picture of the believers right now. And it includes you and me. What a psalm this is. The cry for mercy out of the very depths of despair and only mercy can save us. We are told over and over again in the New Testament that God is rich in mercy. He has had to use a lot of his mercy, even on me. He has had to use a lot of his mercy over you, my friend. He is still waiting. He has plenty of mercy, and we certainly need that mercy. Isaiah 52 verse 14 says of the Lord Jesus Christ, His visage was mad more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. 
In Psalm 69 verse 3, the Lord says, I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Again, in Psalm 42, verse 3, the Lord says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? In Psalm 38, verse 10, he says, My heart pains, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. Finally, in Psalm 88, verse 9, the Lord says, My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Now, my friend, in all these expressions that I have given you, you only see a small segment. The Spirit of Christ speaks prophetically of his own suffering through which he would pass in the days of his humiliation. It's just a glimpse. It's the tip of the iceberg. God's people, the nation of Israel, the remnant in the great tribulation, will also pass through the kind of same suffering. Today, many of God's saints are even passing through the same kind of suffering. Tears coming out, affliction on every side. The great comfort is that God has been through the same pain. God has experienced this even as he bore the cross upon himself. Therefore, we must get comfort. When he says, when you walk through waters, you shall not be swept. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. I will be with you. You see, these are the things that Christ himself suffered and he endured. Regardless of what you are going through today, my friend, he has already been through it and he can comfort you. How wonderful it is to have a savior like the Lord Jesus Christ who was tempted in every way and now he is able to help those who are being tempted. Psalm 6 verse 8 Depart from me. All you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. You see, David sudden shift in tone and his shout, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. This actually indicates that he is certain his plea for mercy has been heard. Remember, he has been crying out to God for mercy. And so that shift indicates he is confident God has heard him. Therefore, all those who plague or criticize him are suddenly rebuked. His prayer ends and his proclamation begins based on God's answer to his prayer. Having made his request known to God and lodged his complaint and his case with him, he is very confident the issue will be good and his sorrow is turned into joy. Now, here is the answer. To his prayer. Psalm 6, verse 9 and verse 10. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Now, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, we are told concerning the Lord Jesus Christ 
who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with the vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. That is our confidence today. God will hear and answer our prayer when we are in deep trouble. Isn't that a comfort to you, my friend? You may be in a very hard place right now at the moment. If you are, this psalm is for you. And God will hear as he did for David. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. That is a comfort. That is a consolation indeed. To walk with Jesus Christ with such hope. Psalm chapter 7 now talks of a cry for revenge. Now someone has suggested that over some seven, we should have something written, shall not judge all the earth, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. What a fitting caption to be given to that chapter. Well, David in this psalm is now crying aloud in song. He is crying aloud in song. How I would have to have heard him sing this psalm. This psalm is a very loud cry. I think it reveals prophetically the persecution and the sufferings of the God-fearing remnant of Israel during the time of the Great Tribulation. It is the outcry against the man of sin, a theme that is carried even into the next psalm, the man of sin or Satan's man. Now notice David's confidence even as he prays in Psalm chapter 7. Psalm 7 verse 1 and verse 2 says, O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. Lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. Anno Gabelain's translation of the same verses Reads, Jehovah my God, in thee I seek shelter. Save me from my pursuers and rescue me, lest like a lion he tears my soul rending in pieces and no one to deliver. This is from the book of Psalms, page 40 of that book. Now, who is that lion? Of course, that lion is Satan, whom Peter says is on a prowl. We read First Peter chapter 5, verse 3. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So that lion is the devil. And he says, Lord, I put my trust in you. Save me from my, my persecutors and deliver me. Lest the enemy, lest the devil will tear me like a lion. Then he speaks of an unjust persecution. An unjust persecution. Psalm 7 verse 3 to verse 4 says, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, 
if I have repaid evil to him who was at peace with me, or have plundered my enemies without cause. You see, unjust and innocent suffering in this world is something I don't understand. I don't propose to understand it, but I want to say this to you. I know someone who does understand it, and he is going to explain it to us one of these days. There are things in my own life and things in your own life that we will never understand. I can't explain your trouble, but I don't even know why I have had to go through certain things. But you know what? He is going to explain it to me someday. And here the psalmist simply says, O oh Lord my God, if I have even been unjust, if I have done all these things, forgive me. And so now we come to the wonderful part in this psalm. This is not the darkest night as we saw in chapter 6, but this is morning light. Psalm 7 verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. Here the psalmist cries for God to avenge and vindicate him. Who is your resource? Who is your recourse? For the psalmist David, God was his resource and his recourse. And what a wonderful place to go to. Reading Psalm 7 verse 11, we hear God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. You see, the psalmist understood that God's judgment is just. God is never vindictive. He will always judge justly. He is not changing his standards to conform to even modern thought. Because of this, we can sing with David. Psalm 7 verse 17. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. You see, in another characteristically abrupt transition here, David bursts into a song of praise to Jehovah for deliverance from the slanderous man. Yes, because God will judge justly, because God will not conform his standards to what man wants, he will do what is right. The only response we can do is to praise the Lord according to his righteousness and to sing praises to the, his name because he is the Lord most high. My friend, God will deal with sin and wickedness and he will finally eradicate it from this universe. Praise the Lord. That is our hope. That is the consolation. And because of that, we continue and never get weary in doing what is right. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.